It's easy to say, I have all the best ideas in the world. I have everything in the world. If someone would just give me a shot. That's not how it works. That's not how it worked for me. That's not how it works for anyone. For episode 19, we sat down with Chris Path, also known as Drama. You may know him from MTV shows such as Robin Big and Fantasy Factory. He's also the co-founder of Young and Reckless, a streetwear-inspired lifestyle brand, and has a podcast of his own called Short Story Long, which features guests like Kyrie Irving, Wiz Khalifa, and Damon John. We talk about his humble beginnings, life on reality TV, his journey with Young and Reckless, and his thoughts on content and how it's played a huge role in his life in the last few years. We had an awesome time chatting with him hearing about his story and learning about his experiences in the apparel business and beyond and hope you guys enjoy the conversation as much as we did having it all right here we go hey everyone welcome to the founder hour with pat and posh we're here today with our special guest drama and drama we're excited to be in the young and reckless offices today and you know be with you and sit down and converse about your upbringing and you know your journey and what you're up to these days so thank yeah. you for having us thanks for having me man i'm excited and um yeah we're here man ground zero of the young and reckless headquarters love this it. is where it all all the magic happens love Amazing. it so why don't you tell us a little bit about i know you grew up in ohio you're not an la native yep so tell us about your upbringing as a child out in ohio yeah so i grew up in uh, a town outside of akron ohio um, pretty small, you know, not like super, super hillbilly and, and wheat fields. But I always say like to give an example, um, looking out the window of my high school, there was a farm with cows and we just watched the cows all day. And one of the biggest news days in the town was that one of the cows escaped and was running like through the streets and people were trying to track, uh, track the cow down. Right. So like, that's just to give you an example, um, grew up, uh, my parents are amazing. They're still together to this day. They taught us first and foremost that love and family and those things are the priority. Um, and, and financially, like once again, to give you guys an example, like we didn't, you know, we weren't like rich by any means or, or anything like that, but we never knew it. You know, like we, we, they chose, for instance, to like skip the expense of having cable TV. So I yeah. grew up without cable TV, uh, but we just didn't know like, oh, that's because we can't afford it or mm -hmm. something like that. It was just like, oh, we'd rather you play outside. We took our kind of yearly trips. We'd pack in the minivan and drive down to Myrtle Beach. That was our spot. Um, and that's kind of what it looked like. Me and my brother, I have a brother who's four years older than me. Um, we absolutely fell in love with skateboarding um, around when I was probably 10. And I do think that that was obviously influenced by my cousin, who's a pro skateboarder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, we never knew him growing up. He's 13 years older than me, and he's lived in L.A. since he was 16. And he's from a city three hours away, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that we were like, oh, he's so cool and whatever, and we want to do something cool, and it led to skateboarding. But um, that's all we did. We dedicated every minute of every day to skateboarding. Um, I didn't play any sports. I didn't do anything. All I wanted to do was go mess around and mm -hmm. skateboard with mm -hmm. my friends. Did you go to like a, like a skate park with your friends or were you yeah. guys doing like, you know, shooting videos? Like what was kind of the... A little of both. Day? So what it was, the kind of routine was I grew up, this is funny actually, I grew up with triplets. Uh, they, they were my best friends. And their mom was, all, was going to nursing school and was always busy. And so their house was kind of the hangout because there was no adults. And they all three skated. They were my best friends. And... Um, so every day after school or if I could get out of school early some way or every weekend, I would pretty much just go to their house first. I remember when my brother got his driver's license, that was like the game changer, right? Because it was like, we can do anything. Yeah. And, um, and, and we would figure out where to go. Like a lot of times we'd go to the local skate park and kind of warm up. And then we'd go – like you'd go to downtown Akron or you'd go to Canton or you'd go to these different places and skate like at schools or, you know, like we call mm -hmm. it street skating, right? Mm -hmm. And um, – we just either, you know, just have fun and mess around. And then as we got older, we started getting into like filming each other. And, and I bought a camera and I kind of became like the filmer. And I ended up making a full skate video with all my friends and went that direction. But yeah, we were just acting. We were recreating what pro skate culture is out here. We were just kind of doing a mini version there. Was your goal to always come to LA? Yeah. So I... As I got older, so let's say I started skating at like 10, you become familiar pretty quick that LA is like skateboard capital of the mm -hmm. world. And it's hard to explain. Maybe it's different now because of the internet and stuff and actually the work that Rob did. But like 
being a skateboarder in Ohio is not cool. Like mm. you were an outcast. Like you know, it was still very much like the hot girls like the jocks, and the, you know, and nobody understood what skateboarders were doing. Um, and so we just had this like dream of like in LA, girls like skateboarders. <laughs> you know, like in LA, this is cool. And there was all the best skate spots, and it's warm all year round, and it was just like skate capital. So I just had this like dream of living in LA and I knew from about I would say I wanted to live in LA from about age 14 on mm-hmm. and then from about age 16 on I was dead set on like the moment that I graduate I am going to LA one way or another so yeah it, I was dead set there will I always say this I wish there was but there will never be another city or destination in my life that will compare to how I felt about Los Angeles mm. you know what I mean like you could say hey is there anywhere in the world you'd want to go sure I'd be able to name you some places but it's not even like a one out of 10 on the scale of what LA was. Like it was the dream thing. So what was the vision that you had in your mind? Like, you know, you're in a skateboarding, you you want to move to LA. Did you want to come here and be a professional skateboarder and just kind of be in that scene? Or did you have other? So I, I wanted to be a pro skateboarder up until once again, probably about age 16 at age 16. I knew I just accepted the fact that I wasn't good enough. Hmm. And I just saw people around me, my friends being, they were just better. And the funny thing is, a lot of that group of friends are pro skateboarders now. You know, there's a kid named Kevin Turpening and Cyril Jackson. And uh, there's all these kids. I grew up in, in Akron, Ohio, that are now pro skateboarders, which is nuts. But um, I just looked around at them, and I'm like, I'm just not good enough for whatever reason. And so that's when I got into filming. And I was like, well, I just want to be, obviously, in this industry. I want to find my place. And part of the way that I paid for my trip to L.A. was that I made this skate video with all my friends. And I... um. And I uh, sold it to all the local skate shops and said, mm-hmm. this is what the Akron kids are doing. It's so cool, whatever. And that made me like 1500 bucks, And so I put mm-hmm. it towards my moving thing. But um, when it came – so that dream was kind of dead and I had evolved into what else I could do. And to be honest, I always say this because it's mind-blowing to me. Like when I finally graduated, I remember emailing my cousin, Rob. And I remember saying, look, man. I'm coming to LA. My brother had got a girlfriend. He was supposed to move with me. He had got a girlfriend, and he, so he didn't want to move. And so I was like, look, man, I'm coming to LA, like, one way or another. If there's anything I can do, please let me know. Like, I kind of know how mm-hmm. to film. I can kind of take pictures. I can clean your floor. Mm-hmm. I can do literally whatever it takes. I just need to get there. And I remember thinking that living in LA, being able to pay rent in a studio apartment and, like, manage a skate shop. Like, Valsurf in the Valley was the one, right? Yeah, it's like you made it. I made it. Like, I remember sitting on my friend's roof drinking mm-hmm. 40s, which I don't know what the hell we were doing, saying, like, look, man, I'm going to be there. Give me, like, six months. You guys can come out. We can drink all the beer we want. We can smoke cigarettes. We can just go skate everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, and that was literally, like the dream Mm. you know um but i didn't have it wasn't a targeted like i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna be a pro skateboarder i'm gonna make it it was like i just gotta get out there ohio sucked for me i get a lot of backlash for saying ohio sucks it doesn't suck well elaborate on it like what do you mean by that like was it like just lack of opportunity just kind of like a bubble massively i mean i think that the problem is like i'm all for there there's different types of people in the world right and there's a lot of people my parents for example live in ohio love ohio love their friends hate coming out here to visit us it's too hectic they just don't Mm -hmm, like it mm -hmm. even like some people say like why don't you move your parents to la they would hate it they would be miserable you know and there's a lot of people that i know and that i grew up with that are like that so not everyone has this like sort of weird ambition or drive but for me after i saw what la had to offer even past skateboarding just the people and the excitement and the things going on i just was like this is not an option like i have to be there there's something there i always say i was pulled by like opportunity more than i was pulled by a vision Mm. like i didn't grow up saying i'm gonna go to la and start a clothing line i grew up and said i'm gonna go to la i'm gonna figure this shit out you know what i mean how old were you when you were making the move to la 18 so So you had just finished high school yeah so the way that went down because this is kind of a good story too is i said okay as soon as i graduate high school i'm moving i'm moving i'm moving um my brother got a girlfriend right before i finished high school and he was kind of like getting cold feet and i was like man like wow what am i gonna do I still was like, I'm moving, I'm moving. Graduated high school. The weekend after I graduated high school, that was on a Friday, I was skating with my friends. I fell skating, hit my head, had severe brain bleeding, skull fracture, was in a coma for four days, blood clot in my brain from the skull fracture. Mm -hmm. Just done, right? Just out of commission. So I literally woke up. I couldn't. 
it's the trippiest feeling waking up four days later. Like your facial hair is just a little longer, and like your nail, and you're like, what the? And hell you have no idea what happened. You don't have yeah. an idea. And I will say, because people always ask, like, I couldn't hear people talking, like in the coma, right? Like they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I did feel like I, I didn't wake up like panicking. You know, like I woke up kind of knowing where I was, but not sure like why or what happened. Right. So all I remember is eating breakfast, and I woke up four days later. But um, the problem was. I had this blood clot in my brain, and so I couldn't leave. They were worried that I was going to have severe seizures and all these problems. And so I kept having to go get CAT scans every month uh, to see if it had went away, and it never went away. And so finally in November of that year, I turned 19 in December. November 10th uh, is when I moved here, and they said, look – we don't know. Like it, it probably will just fix itself. Like it'll probably just correct. If you can go, if you want to go, if you go and you start having dizzy spells and seizures and all this stuff, obviously you got to come back. We mm-hmm. might have to do mm-hmm. surgery, whatever. Um, but just go for it. And so that's what I did. And I came and I was super nervous when I first moved here because I thought any little thing was going to trigger like a yeah. seizure. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that was right at the tail end. I turned uh, I turned 19 essentially a month later after I moved here. And you came here with what? No money? Yeah, I had 2500 bucks, I think. And you, so you were living with your cousin? Yep. So the way it worked was I, when my brother was 18, I was 14. My brother was so good at skateboarding. My, uh, my cousin saw like a video of him skating and was like, oh, shit, like my, my cousin's actually really good. So he's like, hey, man, you should come out for the summer and skate with me. Like I'm going to be filming this video. Just come skate with me. I think you could really make it happen. And I was devastated like beyond the worst like i said la was it for me and then pro skateboarder Mm -hmm. and then he's filming the dc video and whatever and i was like man i'm never gonna have this opportunity by the time i'm 18 rob's gonna be married you know life is so not fair me and so when i turned 18 and my brother bailed i sent rob an email and i said i'll do anything i can possibly do you let my brother stay with you for two months is there any way i could stay with you for two months looking back you know now yeah do you think that that decision of coming to LA and just figuring it out was the right one? Oh my God. Like so beyond the right one. You know what I mean? Because I mean, you're, still, you're still here. So clearly I'm still like here was... and I'm just thriving. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's yeah. because it's because I, um, it's because I just did it. I was so uncomfortable. I was scared. It's embarrassing to admit, but I remember the first week being here, I was like almost in tears calling my mom every night. Like I am way in over my head. Like all Rob's friends are 30 something. I'm 19. Like I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, But it was always this like spirit of mine to just go for it and figure it out and make Mm -hmm. it happen. So what ended up happening is I created... I found a gap, you know, and and I it that opportunity ended up to me. It ended up with me staying with Rob for a month, and then I went home. So I came November tenth. I went home December twentieth for Christmas, and the mm-hmm. goal was you find an apartment in that time, and then you go live there. And so I had found an apartment. I was ready to move in, and then like the day before I left or something, Rob's assistant quit, and he said, "Yo, you want to be my assistant?" And I'm like. I don't know, man. Like, it felt so crazy. And all of his friends came to me and were like, don't do it. Like, it's going to ruin your reputation, ruin your relationship with him. He's not, you know, he's very serious when he works. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're like, it's just your family. Like, just keep it family and don't work together. So I'm like, look, I mean, worst case scenario, I hate it. I quit. I go work at Valsurf, right? Like, that's that was the goal anyway. So I got my apartment. I said, sure, I'll do this, man. And when I came back out after Christmas, I had... My apartment to go into my little studio apartment in the valley, and then I had I started working for him. So it was only that like, screw it, things aren't lining up for me. Yep. My brother doesn't want to move. This isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. But whatever that actually led to me having a gap. I mean, I don't know. Had I moved here with my brother, right? Maybe you, I would. You took this big that. risk. You came to LA. You didn't have a job, but there was an opportunity, and you're just like, I'm going to I'm going to take it. And it's yeah. with family. Like, what's you know, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. So, what was Rob up to at the time? I mean. Was this before the shows? Was it? Yep. So before the show. So he was just a pro skateboarder. Um, he was doing really well. He's always been really business savvy, but not anywhere near, you know, what he's doing today. He had, you know, he was sponsored by like Red Bull and DC and stuff like that. And my jobs were literally like making coffee for him, doing and folding his laundry, and then like driving down to um, DC to pick up a box of shoes and bring them back. And then he'd, we'd go skate, you know, he'd, he'd be working on a new video. And so we'd go skate together and, you know, it was just very, not anywhere near kind of once we got into Robin Big and that stuff. But um, still for me, that was like crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was crazier than anything probably I could experience now. But yeah, very much just like the assistant for a pro skateboarder. Just being in that scene. Yeah. 
Did you enjoy doing what you were doing? Uh, being an assistant? Yeah. I hated it. You can cuss. It's okay. Okay, thanks. I fucking hated it <laughs> <laughs> with every ounce of my being. Like, I love him to death, and there's nothing he, like, did or anything about that scenario that was, like, not what assistants do. But right. I was a 19-year-old assistant, and he didn't treat me any differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful now because the shit I learned because he didn't baby me was, is the only reason I'm here. But it was rough. And I remember, and it's funny because I went, I went and I met up the other day with a girl who used to be a production assistant on Robin Big. And she reminded me. But I would literally, we would when we started filming Robin Big, I would be so overwhelmed by like just getting yelled at by everyone, you know, production people and Rob and all this stuff, trying to like literally do laundry with the laundry door closed and squeeze in the closet because I couldn't disrupt the filming and doing all this stuff. I would just go outside and have these like mini panic attacks of like, I'm just way in over my head. Like this shit is just crazy. And it was rough, but I just always knew like obviously this leads to something. Like I'm a part of some real energy here. Like this comes to something, but I hated every second of it. So like you're at this point where like like you said you're like 19 20 years years old and some of your friends were getting into pro skating and maybe others were going to college uh, mm-hmm. you know and you know you're 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 Rob's assistant mm-hmm. what, what what did what was going on through your mind like what is this going to lead to you you obviously said there's something but yep. did you have any idea what that something was going to be No so I'll say too like once again if this makes any sense and this is why I preach this a lot I think that one thing that happens to young people is they kind of get their mindset on like a dream and you stay so close-minded on that dream and you're just missing other opportunities, right? And keep in mind, this is my path. Like if I would have dreamt to be a rapper and I would have became a rapper, I would have had a different message probably. But my path to show you that there is a different one is I followed opportunity. And so when the TV show stuff started happening, even though I was so overwhelmed um, mentally, by just all that was going on. And I never had the dream or goal of being any sort of celebrity, especially a reality star. Okay. It was everything in my instinct to go away from that, you know? But I knew that there's obviously massive things happening here. Like there's action and I want to be in on the action, you know? And um, so no, I had no idea what that meant. I just knew like grind it out, take the take the beatings, get in on the show however you can. That's how my character ended up being my character on the show. Like yeah. I, there was moments when i was asked that there was a key moment when i was asked to rub icy hot on big black's bare butt <laughs> and that was the first moment i was called into a scene yeah and i said i can't do it man i just can't do it it's crazy like you want me to bare hand like this dude's butt and i remember this is so stupid now but i remember going home that night and being like i just blew it man like that was it yeah you got that was called up to the majors uh-huh. And you could have rubbed icy hot on this man's butt, and you blew it, and now it's over. And my life was over that night, right? And there was multiple opportunities, and there was one. Finally, I forget exactly what it was, but um, where I was like, "Sure, man, like I'll do it, whatever." And it became my dynamic on the show, and that became my way in. And I just wanted to be a part of the action, you yeah. know. But I didn't know why exactly. I was going to figure that part out later. Mm. So when do the shows come into play? And I think another question I had is, when did the name drama? Come into the picture. I wish this story was better, but it came <laughs> from that moment I wrote that email. That email of like, hey, I'll do anything. To Rob? Yep. Yeah, because I wrote this heartfelt email of like, hey, man, I will do anything. Like, I can film you, I can clean your floors, I can do anything. And my email address was cause and drama, like at AOL or something. <laughs> and he wrote me back and said, cause and drama? What the fuck? That was the only answer. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's actually cousin drama. Exactly, right? No, no, it's <laughs> just changing. But I was like, fuck, there you go again. You blew it again, right? Like, that's that's it, man. You look like an idiot. And so literally, it was from that. And I was like, fuck. And um, and then then when I moved, he because Rob is literally everything uh-huh. is like a TV episode, right? He's a fucking genius. But he printed like my MySpace photos, which was Keep in mind, it was me in like yeah. LeBron James jerseys and yeah. looking like an idiot. But he printed them out and and put them all across his uh, uh, kitchen table and told all of his friends, like, this is my cousin. His name's Cousin Drama. And he's coming out here. He's a rapper from Ohio. He told them that. Not true. Um, he this, he that. You know, he's in Ohio. This Made up this whole story. And I got there and they're like, Drama, what up? And I'm like, 
what's up? And like literally, then they just started calling me drama, like kind of messing around. And then all of a sudden you're filming a TV show and it's drama, come here, drama. And then your little thing says drama and you're like, all right, there we are. Yeah. I guess that's who and I you, am. And you did sort of, I mean, that was sort of like a prop, like self-fulfilling prophecy there because, you know, you, you ended up making beats, right? Yeah. So sure it was kind of like, you already had a name. That, that, was that, part, was, yeah, yep. that part was, yeah. But that was my first attempt, right, at, at like, finding my thing so it's like get in on the energy and then find your thing yeah i mean i'll just say this to anyone listening like or to you guys like just never pass the opportunity for like to to feel the action if you can't you know because a lot of times you if you're in the action the opportunities will present themselves right. and there'll be way more and there'll be i mean there are trillions of people with great ideas and no action there's a lot of people with a lot of action and shitty ideas that are making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so I just think like hunting down where the action's really happening and learning from that and learning what's really going on is such a huge lesson that I learned through that time. And I think that's something that Pat and I kind of do, but how do others, like how do they find the action? You know, how it's not necessarily easy. It's, you, you have to be kind of connected to the right people or yep. you have to be in the right place and the right networks. But, you know, I guess what's a more pragmatic way of going about Yep. finding the action yep and i think that there's a bit of a i think and not to like go at what you said mm -hmm. i think that sometimes the like have to be connected to the right people thing is a bit of a cop-out right because i think that what actually unless you're like literally just born into a trust fund right, right. you're just great mm -hmm. but um but i'm saying that usually there's some sort of value being exchanged on some level at that time my value was that a i was willing to just work and do anything under the sun as Rob's assistant. And then on the TV show, I was willing to find a character that could be me and not worry too much about like pride for the sake of entertainment and fill a role. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. there were 20 other friends that tried to get involved and be a character on that show. And it never worked out because everyone wanted to be the cool guy or everyone wanted to be another Rob or everyone wanted to whatever, right? I added value to that show. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that the trick is like, why should any people will give you so much of a shot people d and i both will give you guys hours sitting and talking because this is great what you're doing is great you're coming in with something of value and i can film my videos and i can use this and but you're not just saying hey man can we have a meeting because yeah. hell no exactly. why would we do, you know what i mean like well i don't know yeah you from this people that you found one thing that is valuable now to us and now we'll talk to you for hours and hours anytime you want. You know what I mean? And the right. moment we talk, we first connected, it was like, yeah, of course I'll do that because yeah. whatever. And, and, and it's even more so that way now than ever because these big giants, uh, these big gatekeepers don't control what's going on anymore. So yeah. that kid or these people who just started a podcast could be the key to your success one day, no matter how right. big you are. Like you better kind of give everyone a shot because mm -hmm. you never know who the next person is and you never know what their audience is going to turn right. into tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. And it almost comes out of like fear too. I feel like, like you said, like there's these big, you know, big shots, like controlling industries. Yeah. And I feel like many young folks maybe look at that and like, I can't compete. I can't, yeah. I can't really have a voice in that industry. Yeah. Um, but like, especially these days with not only podcasts, but like any, any type of medium. Yeah. Uh, and you social can, media. I mean, yeah. you can, and we're so blessed that you can now more than ever i mean you can there's a list of people like i was talking i did this podcast the other day or yesterday and i was talking about um the paul brothers right mm -hmm. which I, i'm not a big fan of but um the guy was like um you know sometimes i feel because i grew up the guy said i grew up watching robin big and fancy Tech. sometimes i feel like logan paul is just taking notes directly from that and i'm like he is like those guys were fans, you know. Like mm -hmm. when I first started Young and Reckless, they were blowing me up to do anything they could to help mm -hmm. the brand. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is, those kids who were fans who were doing anything to help the brand are now, like them or not, some of the most influential, highest right. paid. Like they're it. Yeah. So like it or not, that happened in the last six years, right. and that's just the way it works now. And those kids had no platform. They had no big Kickstarter. They didn't get a deal with Viacom, mm -hmm. right? Like so, it's just realizing that that's true, and that's only going to become more and more true. And then from my perspective, what I was saying is like. You can't, it's easy to say, I have all the best ideas in the world. I have everything in the world. If someone would just give me a shot. That's not how it works. That's not how it worked for me. That's not how it works for anyone. And if you're not creating some level of value for that person, 
why, why? It just doesn't work that way, right? right. Why? There's just nobody's in the business of charity like that, mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. saying, hey, everyone come intern with me for one day. I'll give you all the gems <laughs> and you go and good luck to you. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. So I think the, the thing to a young person is like, what are you bringing to the table? And then bring it to the table. Say it, like have no shame, have no, DM everyone and say, yo, I have this podcast, it's doing really well, would love to have you mm -hmm, on it, here's mm -hmm. some of our guests, whatever, whatever. Do it to everyone. Don't yeah. take one specific shot and say, right. like, once again, just because I think it's valuable, this kid the other day who I did a podcast with who was incredible, reached out to me through uh, my Instagram and I don't think has many like listeners or anything like that. But he said, like, man, I like you were the one. You were the one I wanted to have on this guest. You were my top priority. And I said, don't do that. Like, let there be 50 ones because you're going to get maybe one or two. Mm -hmm. If you set your heart on one, you're going to get crushed and you're right. going to lose. You know, and that, who knows? If you have 50, but I'm really your one, somebody else that you're going to interview is going to know me and they're going to connect me with you or blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to build up so big that it's worth mm -hmm. my time. Like, just. Pitch yourself, have mm -hmm. value, but then shamelessly pitch yourself. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So you also, you mentioned D a couple of times. And so D was actually the first guest of our podcast. And, you know, he's helped us out so much. He connected us with the Hwood guys. And, yeah. you know, we interviewed them. And that was a great interview as well. Um, how did you and D meet? How did that happen? I know D touched upon it a little bit when we talked to him. Um, but I know we, you were doing a couple of the shows and you guys connected at the time. How did that work out yep so here's the funny part of that story i don't know if you told it or not is we had a mutual he was friends with rob's manager at the time or um yeah i think that was it and the funny thing the funny part of this story is on rob and big i hardly got paid like i got zero dollars the first season i think 750 dollars for every episode i was in which was like three on the second season and then 1500 dollars for every episode i was in which i think was five on the third season so I was broke, right? Um, and I saw Rob making millions of dollars off of his DC sponsorship and all this stuff. Big Black started Big Black Clothing. He ended up making a couple million dollars off of that. I was like, okay, well, I can get something. You know what I mean? Like I can get some sort of sponsorship. So I went around to everyone, like literally Echo, every brand that I possibly could and begged for my number was $500 a month. And so because of this mutual acquaintance, I met with D and them. And I said, hey, man, I'm on this show, blah, 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 500 bucks a month. I'll wear 5'4 head to toe. It'll be so dope. And they were like, ah, like, I don't, we don't really do that. And like, you're not really on the show enough. And I was like, shit, man. Like, I just, I'm third, like third in line is yeah. not enough to be in the money, right? It cuts off after two. So I'm like, fuck. So when Fantasy Factory came around and I uh, wanted to start a line and it was on me to go figure that out from scratch. I just had met, I met with everyone that I knew in clothing and they mm -hmm. were one of them. And mm -hmm. at that point, obviously the, the conversation is a lot different, you know, and I'm a lot bigger part of that show now. And I had this concept mm -hmm. and I got lucky that they were in a situation where they needed a good, healthy income from somewhere. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They needed cash. And so they were like, you know, screw it. We don't have anything to lose. Let's try this. And, um, it just worked that way. But it's funny. I told him, like, if you would just paid me 500 bucks a month, you never would have had this problem. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you, look what you created. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was just from, uh, from mutual relationships. And, and I, he was just one of the people that I, that I met with. But I just love them, you know, and mm -hmm. they saw it. And the cool thing about them was they had enough experience to know how to do what needed to be done. But they weren't in a competing brand. Right. And so I wasn't going to have to compete with them. We were going to be able to legitimately go down this road and build this business together. Not just like one of the options is you go to DC and you say, hey, maybe you or one of the sales guys here will do a deal with me to do like a licensing thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, but then you're competing with your own company. And that's, right. uh, you know, right. that sucks. So, so originally you didn't, it wasn't like he was sponsoring you with 5.4. Like you, like that, that was in the past. And then you guys just decided to start Young Reckless, a new brand. Yep. Yeah. The past was I had tried. He denied me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah. And then, yeah, we came back and I, and at that point I had the name, like I had the name Young and Reckless. I think that I had the logos at that point and, and then I had the fact that this new show was about to start and I, Big Black had moved to Texas to raise his daughter and, um, I was now the second hmm. in line, right? And so yeah. now tech, I should be in the money now, right? And yeah. So, uh, so that was the that was the thing. Why the why the name Young and Reckless? I really, really wanted to create. So, number one, my biggest fear was creating drama's merch brand. And if you if if this makes any sense, like the way that my brain worked then and still works now, and sometimes it haunts me when I'm trying to create all this content, was I didn't want to be a celebrity 
that sold product. I the way I thought of myself was I wanted to be like more in the background. I just wanted to run a business. Like I wanted to have a real life in LA. Um, I didn't want to worry about trying to pump myself up to make money. It felt like being a stripper almost, right? Mm-hmm. Cause, especially because it's not based on any talent. Like I'm not trying to sell more albums or right. hit more home runs. Like I'm uh, whatever. I'm not that guy. So, mm-hmm. so that's all I wanted. So I tried to come up with a name that meant something. And I tried to think, like, how can I create a movement, a culture? Uh, how can I get people really behind this? And if I have a company, you know, called Drama Beats Clothing or called, you know, Gray Chair Clothing, like, that's not going to do it. And so Young and Reckless was just what came to mind after a lot of bad ideas. <laughs> and, uh, and it, you know, I just wanted to inspire kids. I felt like I was in the trenches of, like, moving from an uncomfortable place extending myself as far as I could to try to make something happen mm-hmm. and I wanted to try to empower people to do the same. Would you say that Young and Reckless is a good reflection perhaps of what you were when you were moving out of Ohio? Million percent. So that's like that's what I try to I've refined it now because I've gotten older and gotten better perspective and more knowledge, but that's what I want to happen. And to be honest, I don't care if like you just want to go on a vacation and jump off of this famous cliff in Ibiza into the mm-hmm. ocean, like that's your dream, or you want to skydive in Dubai, or or you want to be an entrepreneur right. and whatever. It's that same spirit that's in all of those people that do anything. It's so hard to break out of what is expected of you or the mold that you are taught is right. It's so hard. And that is what I truly connect with and feel like I did and still try to do to this day. And I want to try any way I can to empower young people to do the same. And through the messaging of the brand, it's just one of those ways. Yeah, I love that because, you know, so Pat and I, one of our favorite books is Simon Sinek Starts With Why. Oh, my God. And, you know, kind of like talking about, and we tell a lot of our friends that reach out to us and say, oh, we have this idea. And before we tell them, like, before they tell us about what it is, we're like, why are you doing it? Like, yeah. what's 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 the point of it? Like, I don't care what you're selling. I don't care what you're doing. Why are you doing it? Yep. And they can't answer that. And I say, go back, think about that, come back, and then yep. we'll discuss it. Yep. So... Do you think that the why of Young and Reckless or just drama in general has changed since you came to L.A.? No, I really don't. I feel, to be honest, that part of my mentality feels completely like intact and the same. And I almost wake up today with the exact same feeling that first hits me as I did when I was 19 living in a studio apartment in the Valley. Like It's like, all right. Like, you got to figure this shit out. Like, you got to be aggressive. You got to be creative. Like, and, and like, nothing's going to be, you know, you, you could very easily be working at Starbucks or back in Ohio in a year if you don't, you know, like, I just feel that way. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think I ever want to lose that. You know what I mean? And, and that is what I still want to empower kids to do. I think the only thing that has changed is when I was 25 and Young and Reckless start, started becoming very successful. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, every day I was like jumping into foam pits and getting attacked by bulls and like crazy shit for TV. So my mind was a little bit more on like, all right, let's do crazy shit. It's now evolved into something much more realistic and much more truly me um, that is like, okay, now I've ran this business for nine years. I truly know a lot of, and obviously have a million things to learn, but I know a lot of good business lessons and Mm kind of life lessons and Mm -hmm. mindset lessons. And so I'm able to come at it now from a much more educated perspective and give practical, real advice on how you do that, you know, as opposed to like, just be crazy, do anything that anyone says you can't. Like, great, but where does that go? So now being able to do a podcast, being able to do podcasts like this Mm -hmm. and and really answer those questions, I think I'm really starting to connect with people in a deeper way than I ever have, even right. on reality TV, because they're getting real information. It's yeah. something they can go do tomorrow, not just like, hey, go be crazy. You talk about how Young and Reckless has evolved since then, um, but kind of going back to like when you first started it, was your, obviously initially it was like, I want to just make some money because I'm, I'm not making any money through the show um and your 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 idea was to like wear it on the show and all that but how how did it necessarily evolve did you have that big vision initially that this is going to be a, a big clothing brand one day or yeah. was it more so like we'll just like take every day as it comes right now i'm just on the show and i don't know how long the show is going to last but i'm just going to ride this out and figure it out later yep. so i think the best way to answer that is like because people always ask did you ever think it would be this big and the answer is yes, 
because of course when you start something you're sitting in your bedroom thinking this is going to be it like this is going to be the next i remember famous stars and straps was so big mm-hmm. then and obviously dc was exploding and i'm like this is going to be the next and we could do this and it's about empowering kids and blah blah, blah. now that was a very naive dream and there was zero plan on how to get there and like no strategy no nothing but it was in my like goals um but there was just a lot of ups and downs and and lessons that had to be learned to even i mean it's been a grind when i look at it now i don't look at like i'm that same kid in the bedroom and say like we did that like exactly what you were thinking happened i think like Woo, this has been a battle and we got a battle more to go to keep going where we want to go. Mm. It's very a much more realistic view. But um but yeah, I don't know if I'm forgetting the other was there another part of the question? No, I mean yeah, I was I was just I was just curious like what oh, was and, going and through the, your mental state. And the opportunity, yeah. I and I will say this, and I'm not shy about this fact, is like and this is what led me to discovering that I need to like start a podcast and put out more content about who I actually am. Because I was not some passionate clothing designer that wanted to change the fashion game. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't. I also wasn't a pro skateboarder. I also wasn't whatever. I legitimately, I didn't know it then, but I was an entrepreneur. I wanted to own the thought of, so keep in mind, I came here with the dream of working at a skate shop, living in a studio apartment. That unfortunately quickly evolved to the thought of owning a business that I could sustain any sort of lifestyle in LA was like mind-blowing goal dream. We got to get there. And I saw an opportunity to do that from what we were doing on TV. And I saw, I mean, obviously I was heavily influenced by like, like I said, DC exploded, I think from like $100 million pre-Robin Big to like at the height, like $500 million global massive business. Yeah, Big Black sold, I think it was 10 or $14 million worth of Big Black clothing. Rob started a brand in the kitchen while I'm sitting there every day drinking coffee watching called Rogue Status. Um which was the shirt with all the guns mm-hmm. on it, whatever streetwear brand out of Remember, Venice. Yeah. I watched that. I would go down to Rogue Stats, which they were so cool. And they were on down in Venice and they were just hanging out outside of their shop and really creating a culture around their brand. And I watched all of this happen. And so I tried making beats. I tried doing all this other stuff. But I said like, man, like if I could make a clothing line that spoke to this audience, that did what I preached, what I practice, and build a culture around that and get people to feel fired up and blah, 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 and then market it on this show, like, this is the opportunity, you know? And that's what gave me the steam. I've tried a lot of shit, and yeah. I've, like everything else, well, not everything else, but a lot of other things have not worked. Um, this one f- has, nothing has ever felt like Young and Reckless felt yeah. when I started getting it going, because it just was perfect. Yeah. So, so the drama that like everyone has seen on the show, you know, doing a bunch of, crazy shit tell yeah. us about a crazy story that maybe they haven't seen maybe like a business story for young and reckless yeah. like behind the scenes oh man i have there's one that immediately comes to mind but i don't know if i want to like potentially open the can of worms <laughs> ah, no fuck it one time i uh did a shirt and i want to preface this story by saying if anyone out there listening is connected to any of the hell's angels i sincerely apologize and I have nothing but respect. Uh, we did a shirt. This is when we were filming the show. One of my graphic designers, so the way that we would do it, when we were really flowing, like let's say season four or five of Fantasy Factory, Young and Reckless is working. The way it would work is I would get the shirts that were going to be in the stores when the shows aired and have them printed early and sent to my office so that I could wear that line so that that would match what was in the store. Yeah. So I got these, I would just get boxes of my own stuff. Um, to my office before the season, and that's what I would wear throughout the season. One of the shirts I pulled out one day, and it looked like a Guns N' Roses sort of knockoff. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is really cool. And so I wore it all over the show, loved it. Uh, turns out, we'll say long story short, turns out the kid legitimately just took the Hells Angels logo, <laughs> took off the words Hells Angels, and wrote Reckless. Right? Big time, like, trademark violation. Big time. Not only are these guys so <laughs> good at finding anyone who uses anything (laughs) near their logo but they will make sure any way that you don't uh that you don't get it and and don't use it and it doesn't it's not seen anywhere that's not supposed to and i will say lesson learned in not only like double check your designs but like the thoroughness of your of your ips Mm -hmm. i mean even though they have a little bit of a benefit that i don't i can't 
scare anyone, yeah. but um, but still, they are thorough, and they will be on you the mm-hmm, moment you do it. So, mm-hmm. so the point was, luckily for me, I had only worn it on TV. I hadn't actually sold it, so the damage was only so right. bad. But for them, that's just as bad because this skinny little dorky white guy from Ohio is repping Hell's Angels. That's worst case for them. Right. Point is, we ended up dealing with that um, the proper way in in whatever legally, and but I was so scared because people would call me. My friends are like, you know, friends of friends would call me and be like, hey, have you, have you gotten your ass kicked by the Hells Angels yet? And I was like, no, dude, why? And he'd be like, oh, because my friend, you know, is up in San Jose and he knows a lot of those guys. And they said, like, fuck you. And the moment they see you, they're stomping you out. And I'm going around like doing oh, autograph signings and shit like that at this point. <laughs> so every city I'd go to, I'd be like, is there a Hells Angels? You know, I remember being yeah. in Arizona one time and I was like, oh, no, I know. There's probably a lot of them here. And uh, so I'm <laughs> petrified. Like, I'm literally like having trouble sleeping. Yeah. Like feeling like I'm just going to hear motorcycles outside my house one night. So anyway, the crazy part of the story is I simply was, and I'll only be so descriptive, but I was at a party that we were hosting one night in Hollywood. I think it was for X Games or something. And I came walking out and some guy grabbed me and was like, yo, let me talk to you for a second. And I was like, all right. You know, like, do you want a, do you want a photo? Like I'm the guy from the TV show. And I looked down and he had red shoelaces and that's like one of their big things. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Like here it is, right? Here's this is, this is how it goes and down. This is how it goes down. And so thankfully, I mean, he didn't he didn't beat my ass. He just took me outside and like very sternly made it clear how offensive that was to them and whatever. But it was just the only moment where I really felt like, fuck, like this is some real shit. Like this is not Forever 21 lawsuit. Like you're mm-hmm. up against the wall outside right. of a club. Like what the fuck are you doing? Because at the end of the day, and here's another lesson learned. doesn't matter if it's the Hells Angels or Forever 21 or whatever it is. If you're the guy in charge, you're the guy taking the heat, right? No matter what, mm-hmm. and and I deserve that. You know, I should have known. I should have checked everything. I should have known. But that was the moment when I think, uh, like, st- streetwear or clothing turned into like gang war for a second. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, I didn't like it. I'm happy in apparel. Yeah, <laughs> the topic of relevancy to me is something that's interesting, and you know, especially in this day and age, it's so hard to stay relevant. Whether yeah. you're creating content, apparel, selling food. It's hard to kind of keep up with the times. You know, you mentioned you've been doing this for nine years. How is Young and Reckless still relevant today? And what have you done to make sure that that stays that way? I'll start by saying it's insanely hard, like beyond hard. And I don't ever want to come off like, oh, I'll tell you how. Because I battle every single day. And every day I feel like, this is getting crazy. You know, because every day there's another there's 500 more influencers or YouTubers or right. you know, it's so fragmented. And fashion it's, brands coming out and changing uh, you and, know, the landscape. Yes, and like picture this. Even when I started, which was kind of at the beginning of all of this, when I started, there was essentially still like a handful of like celebrities or TV shows. Like we gave our clothing to – we even gave our clothing one time to like the Jersey Shore kids because mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. who cares? There's 5 million people. That's going to make an impact. This, that, that. I mean they're definitely reckless. They're definitely <laughs> reckless. Um, so you could kind of pinpoint like – who can we target? Target them. As long as enough of them are wearing your clothes, you have some relevance and you can use that content to say everyone's wearing your brand. Now, not only are there so many influencers and people who influence the way people shop, but there's e-commerce. So you can't just play the shelf space game of like Paxson Macy's Tilly's mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. say, well, I have my shelf space. As long as I keep it up, I'm going to keep or grow that shelf space. Right. Nothing is safe. Nothing is protected. And the moment... Uh, one of the YouTube kids launches a merch brand, that's coming out of our pocket. That's coming out of everyone's pocket, right? It's getting more fragmented. So every tour merch, every YouTube merch, every single thing is a T-shirt that they're now buying from that person and not from brands like me. So it has gotten extremely hard. To answer the question, though, I think that it's about a game of, number one, you got to just work your ass off and you gotta like I've seen a lot of people be too picky and be like no that guy's not right and that guy doesn't fit the brand and that guy doesn't whatever you want to protect your brand you really do but at the end of the day if you want to have a brand the size of the brand that I want to have you have to kind of spray and pray a little bit and you have to make sure that you're not touching on anything too crazy on either end Mm -hmm. but you're getting it out there you're talking to people you're going to the events that matter you're at the things that matter you're doing the podcast you're constantly making sure that it stays on people's radars and handing it out. And I mean, I still to this day, probably today, I will screenshot and send 10 boxes of promo to friends or people that asked or friend of a friend or whatever. 
that's still me 10 years in mm. at this level in the company. It's just a game you have to play. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I don't know, man. I, I think other than that, you just got to be smart. And at the end of the day, like what you said with the Simon Sinek book, if you didn't start with any purpose, this is where you get wiped out. Yeah. You get wiped out in the relevance, right? Young and Reckless has lasted so long a lot because of the name and what it stands for. And that does a lot of work for me. You know what I mean? If it's, like I said, gray chair clothing, mm. and we're just hoping for the best, good luck. You know what I mean? That's why yeah. the why matters so much. Because right. now it's going to connect with people that you didn't even have to connect yeah. with. Mm-hmm. So, so nine years, still going strong. Tell yep. us, uh, I want to kind of talk about kind of what you're doing aside from Young and Reckless, which is you, all, you obviously have a podcast of your own, Short yep. Story Long. Uh, you do a group chat with D. Um, you know, tell us kind of how that content side came about and, and what you're doing there. Yeah, so it came about, there's a few things. Like it came about from uh, the gift and the curse of being on a show like I was on is you're, you're, you have millions of eyeballs on you and people like what you guys are doing and you can sell product. The bad thing for me was that as I went on to like grow and, and evolve, I had been shown to millions of people on a very popular show in a way that didn't represent really what I was. Mm. And it was impossible for me to scale that personality. You right. know what I mean? Like, what am I going to do? Go do another show about me being stupid in some city. You know what I mean? Like, it's never going to work. So I just realized, I took a break a little bit um, after the show, which I felt like was necessary for kind of, like if drama from Fantasy Factory would have came out and been like preaching to you on a podcast, you'd be like, shut up, dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think like it needed that time to just show and prove that you could actually do this. And and then I just thought to myself, like, what is my why? What is, who am I really? Like, what can I build on? And that is that I'm a uneducated, meaning no college, high school education, kid from a small town in Akron that just came out and fought for his life and figured this shit out the non-conventional mm-hmm. way. And now I'm living the, what I would say, entrepreneurial dream for someone from a place like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's my job to build on that and share those stories and tell other people's stories as much as I can and kind of bring that all home mm. and continue to build and let the next people go do that. You know what I mean? Um, damn, I just lost my train of thought again. Well, we're talking about you doing like just overall content. Like yeah, that's yeah, okay, a big sorry, part sorry. of your life now. Sorry, I keep... Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the next thing is... So that's why I started the podcast. That's why I kind of went down this road because you need to find out once again, you need to find out... What is even your message before you can build a bunch of content on top of that? Because if it's just, hey, look at me, it's tough. Yeah. So that was my message. That's what I want to get across. The first step was a podcast because it's very, you know, there's no rules. There's no, I didn't have to wait on anyone. I didn't have to go get a deal. I could just do it and post Mm. it. And that started the momentum. I think that when I started Young and Reckless, just to give a timestamp, the way that it used to work was like the the people, the CEOs or the founders of the company were supposed to be kind of cool and mysterious and like you could just play this character a lot and people supported this weird thing. That's done. That's over. Now they want to see how you're building the business. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Like what does this actually mean? Why am I going to buy this shirt mm-hmm. from you? Because if not, I'm going to go buy it from Logan Paul because he's funny and I like that catchphrase. You know what I mean? They just – you need to really connect more than ever before. Mm-hmm. And – um and that's the goal. And I think that really what's coming is I think that we're in an era of content like Instagram, short form content, YouTube vlogs and that stuff. A lot of the stupid stuff kind of blew up because I think it people didn't realize how much attention it was really even taking from them. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're just on your phone. You don't think when you're on your phone six years ago that it's becoming your new television. Right. You're just on your phone. You're just watching funny cat videos mm-hmm. or funny whatever. And then all of a sudden now in 2018, this is the TV. This is the cable network. Your phone is everything. And just being honest, a lot of pointless shit is really, really popular. And that's the age of kind of this influencer thing. Right. That really I think that what is coming and where that will evolve to is the people that can connect as good as a YouTuber or an influencer but has something real to show. That's why I think that Will Smith starting mm-hmm, YouTube and Instagram mm-hmm. has been like this, the greatest gift we've ever right. been given by Will Smith because it's somebody who's speaking the vlog language. He's not trying to be too cool. He's not doing any of that. He's talking directly to you like some 16-year-old kid, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he's Will Smith right. and he's going on Jimmy Fallon and he's filming a movie and mm-hmm. he's bungee jumping from Tom Cruise's helicopter, whatever the hell he's doing. Right. 
And that's, of course, going to overshadow somebody just messing around, meaning nothing all mm -hmm. day long. Mm -hmm. So I think that, like, I just think I'm on the right side of uh, where this thing's going. And, and I think that my goal is to, as transparently as I can, show people my real journey right. and real stories of other people's journeys and say, by exposing you to this, you can do it too. Yeah. Right? And you talk about how much, you know, content there is these days and like, oh, like it's so saturated, like any type of medium you think of, like yeah. just content, content, content. Yeah. Um, how important is it? And this is, I think, just a general good business lesson is like to have this kind of niche. Because I think where we see a lot of people kind of just fall short is like they just kind of shoot for just general like public. Yeah where they don't really focus on something. Yeah. Um, I don't know, how important is that to you? And do you feel like you have like a target that you're trying to like really connect with? Yeah. So the way I see it is this, like there's so much content needed. It's insane. Like it's like to even have a shot, you need a podcast, a daily vlog, a blah, 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 your Instagram's popping, this, that, whatever. It's mind blowing how much you have to do to make an impact. And I think that quantity matters over quantity quality much more than we know right it's the quality of the message not the quality of the video yeah um and i think that for the amount of content that's actually needed to even potentially have a shot if you don't have a core sort of value or target now you just have a lot of nothing you know what i mean like one of the reasons why i like for instance what gary v is doing he's putting out so much content unreal but yeah, it's like insane it's insane but what i'll say is it's not he's not reinventing the wheel every time he makes a video. It's a lot of the same yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it works because he stays he stays very on brand and on message and it allows him to put out 50 videos a day on all these different platforms. It's the only way it's possible. So if you say like okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to conquer the world with content. I'm going to make 5 videos a day on every platform, but I don't really know what my message is. You're screwed. You're just dead. And you got to find who's even right for this brand or this message. Be honest with yourself and with them about if they're right for it or not and follow kind of what people are saying and what people are gravitating to and then and then expand on that and keep learning yourself. Like don't ever become someone who's just sitting preaching over and over mm -hmm. and over. Once again, just to use, I'm not even the biggest Gary Vee fan, but another thing he does really well that I think separates him is you see him actively working. Like he's in the back of an Uber. He's yeah. outside. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not all yeah. clean. His like, content is him at work. Do? Yeah. <laughs> like it's like you're literally like in an airport. He's not sitting right at now. home like yeah. staring at a camera. Yeah, he's or like, like a perfectly produced video like you need to get out there and hustle. Like yeah. it's just like who are you, guy? What do you yeah. even do? Yeah. Um, so I think that that's really cool because it's it's authentic and it's real. And I just think like that's where it's going. My core audience, if I said I had one, is that it's, it's people like me. It's people that maybe don't have the ability to go the conventional route or more importantly in 2018, more people that realize that there is no conventional route anymore. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist unless yeah. you're a doctor or a scientist right. or whatever. So mm -hmm. if you connect with that, I'm here to show you as someone who has spent 12 years going the non-conventional route and has been relatively successful and is still actively every day fighting my ass off to continue to go the unconventional route, join me. I'll share with you what I know now, and I'll share with you everything that I'm learning mm -hmm. from here forward. Yeah. We talked about media a lot, and you know, one of the guests we had studied journalism while she was in, um, while she was in college, and now she's like an influencer and she's killing and making a lot of money, and yeah. we were talking about how journalism essentially is dead. Yeah. You know, and we, I'm a big fan of group chat, by the way, with you and Dean. I think that all the topics that you guys discuss are not only like the current topics, but I think the, you know, just the regular person's, you know, opinion that you guys put on it is yeah. what we need to hear. I searched Kanye West on YouTube and you were, you guys were like one of the top videos. Did you really? know that? Yeah. I don't know if that was just because like I, I hadn't watched the video, so it wasn't like a recently viewed. It, like it was, oh, it's just because it's relevant. I mean, we're definitely trying to market yeah. it. Like yeah, I was yeah. putting some spend behind it, but yeah. Yeah. that's big. No, yeah, it's great. And I think that Donald Trump, for example, is a big reason why media is changing and, you know, I think the way he's saying it is wrong, but I think it might be doing good for media yeah. in the sense that, you know, he's revealed this phenomenon of fake news or just people like clickbait and just putting up bullshit yeah. out there yeah. that's really not relevant. It's really not valuable. Yeah. You know, how does, you know, first of all, how did you and D come up with the idea to say, you know, we got to do this thing? And, you know, why do you choose the topics that you choose to talk about and who are you trying to impact? Yep. Um, so the idea was mainly sparked by after ComplexCon this year. 
we love ComplexCon, mm-hmm. big fans of what they're doing. We think it is the future. And Bobby Hundreds, who's also a friend, mm-hmm. um, posted a tweet or something uh, or Instagram just destroying it, right? And saying like, you know, it's whack and it's capitalist and it's blah, blah, blah. And that's not what streetwear is and that's not whatever. Uh, and we were in here kind of debating about it and saying our opinions or whatever. And, he's, and, and I think he said, man, we should just film this. We should just put this out. And whatever happened, right? I don't know who who, who had the genius idea, but I don't want to take any credit. But uh, we decided, man, we could do something like this. Like we could just right. show these debates. And like, luckily, we work for ourselves, and we don't have board members. We don't have those type of things, and so we don't have anything that we can't say. It's at our own risk, right? Um, and so we said, let's do something where we can actually give a little bit deeper inside opinion, and then we can have Bobby Hundreds come on the show, and we can have Aaron from Agenda come on the show, and we can have, you know, whatever. And we just thought, like, in, you're right, I mean, there's a lot of news going around, there's a lot of opinions going around, and there's a lot of, like, stupid, sort of um, pointless clickbaity comedy you know like you go on instagram like i hate to say a lot of times i get my news from instagram on accident because you see a meme about it and you're like oh what did kanye say because you saw some meme exactly and so for us it was like how can we do a show that's like letting people in on our real conversations um getting a little bit deeper knowledge on the subject and then also having fun with it and hopefully we're likable and hopefully you do you know what i mean and it's like we just try to cover anything it still needs a lot of work and it needs to be cleaned up a lot and it needs to be structured a lot but it's like anything that really affects this age range and and people like us we're going to cover and hopefully we're going to give you some value that's going to i think most people walk away from group chat and say like man i didn't know that you know like maybe it was fun to watch and we're still joking around but it was like oh i didn't know that about about this or about that yeah. or how this works and that's our goal it's just like we're trying to be a little you know. you know to the point about it being clean i respectfully disagree because i feel like when i turn on the television which i rarely do uh-huh. but when i watch you know news uh-huh. it is clean it's like a little too perfect it's a little too scripted what did it's i say not, about clean though you said it should be a little bit more cleaned up like you know I, I don't know if you meant like the content or the quality or whatever but i like the fact that it's raw i like the fact that oh you, know, you mean the, our show with the group chat this yeah. is what i mean yeah. I think that, for instance, and I'll just tell you because mm-hmm. we were talking about the other day, is like it should be like um, here's the finance section, and we're yeah. going to talk about this. Here's politics. We're going to talk about this. Here's blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Just like structured and like like I said, we had the idea, and we could have Bobby Hundreds and Aaron come on maybe together if they would do it. Maybe yeah. not. We're just so fucking busy. We haven't right, had a right. chance to do. Right. right. We've had our friends on or whatever. I mean, like if it was like this week's guest is blah blah blah. This is what we're going to discuss. Here's our topics. I'm saying we literally. He emails me what he wants to talk about. I me- email him what I want to talk about. The morning of, we go up at ten, and we just literally from just film it live in one shot. That's what you get. And we could add some, you know, yeah. some like yeah structure. It's just a little messy. It's just a little you. like like you. we'll talk yeah. about Trump, Trump, politics, <laughs> streetwear, Stormy Daniels. Then, you know what I mean? It's like, and it's like, there's no. But that's what people want. I think that, and maybe unfortunately, right. maybe that's right. what yeah. news is this day. And I think, yeah. you know, like actually, one thing that does piss me off is like with the whole Trump thing. I think that the media is the reason why he is this way. I think Pat and I talk about this yeah. all the time. If for one week there was a moratorium on news for them to not yeah. talk about Trump, yeah. he would be a completely different person. Yeah. Because he needs, the, he like requires the attention. Yeah. I think that folks you know, like us that continue talking about him, yep. it like feeds him. Yeah. Like it's like more fuel. But I almost feel like it's a, it's, it's, it's almost like a chicken before the egg scenario to me. Yeah. You know, it's like, did the media create Trump or did Trump create, yeah. the, you know, I don't know. And I don't, I just, all I know is this, it's fucking mind blowing. And it's like an incredible thing to watch. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, how did this happen? Like, what yeah. in the fuck? You're just watching, like, history just change, and you know it is. Change. You it will never be happening. the same. Like, yeah. you just can't go back. You know, I'm not saying the next one will be, like, The Rock, but... Yeah. Um, it might. It might. And you can't... <laughs> you, it's not going to be George Bush. No. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. And at that part, I appreciate. Like, I will say, that's another thing that Rob, even to this day, gives me really good perspective on, is he's such a... He's smart, and and uh, and and in my opinion, we agree on the opinions, but he's so incredibly positive. Like every time I talk to him, I'm like, bro, did you see what just happened? He's like, isn't this incredible? <laughs> like, isn't this amazing to yeah. watch? And I'm like, no, we're going to die. He's like, we're not going to die. This yeah, is amazing. Yeah. You know, and no, I'm like, Holy And I think shit. you and D on the last episode of group chat, well, well, after we released this, it might be the second to last episode. Yep. You talked about like the different perspectives and how, you know, 
perhaps not necessarily that what he's doing is positive, but that there is a different perspective to Trump, for example, or there's yeah. always a different side to the story. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, like 50 or whatever, 48 or 50 percent of this country still likes Trump or still will vote for Trump. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's a whole other problem. But it's how do we cater that t- to both of these sides so that the message that we put across. And I think that's why we, you know, we chose to do this podcast was because, number one, we're just talking about the real human stories. There's really no politics involved. You can be whatever you want. Yeah. You can believe in whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. We don't really care. Yeah. But I think that the audience has a real takeaway of, like, sh- I don't give a shit if this person's Republican and, like, you know, believes in that and, or that. They just did something cool. Yeah. And we want to learn that. We want to kind of follow that model. Yep. And so I think, you know, what you guys are doing obviously is awesome. And, you know, thank you, um, man. You know, hopefully we continue seeing, you know, more of that and, you know, just putting out more content. And who knows what this will all lead to, really? You yeah. know, I don't really know. I, I don't know. Both of us don't really know um, what this will even lead to. But it's going to continue just, to evolve yeah. and you just got to play with, play the game. And, and to tie it back to the beginning, man, it's like, it's the act, it's where the action is. Yeah. yeah. We know that. That's undeniable, yeah. right? The yeah. action is in creating content with a message on brand for yourself, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's podcasting and it's video blogs. And it's yeah. so it's like it's it's podcasting now, right? Like yeah. but like tomorrow it might be something different. And and like you said in the beginning, like if yeah. you're focused on like I'm gonna create the biggest podcast in the world and I'm only gonna be focused yeah. on creating the biggest podcast in the world, yep. you may miss the next big channel. Hundred percent. And I think the like the sweet spot is in the middle, right? It's like sure, podcasting could kind of phase out, but I think that it will phase into something new that if your right. message is strong enough, right. your people will follow you too, right? right? And I think that I have a pretty, I have quite a bit of faith that podcasting is a new medium that is here for quite a while. Yep. I don't see it as like a Snapchat, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a medium, it's, yeah. it's radio, it's right. not, you know, the station. Yep. And I think that um, as long as you're building that audience and that message, they're there no matter what the medium is. Like that's right. one thing we told ourselves that made us really reassured us a little bit when retail was just getting crushed and we had just spent the last seven years building in retail was the audience is there. The people who like young and reckless clothing is there. They are just moving to shopping online. Yeah. So we need to switch to being online, right? Mm-hmm. So the people are there, the listeners are there, and, and, and it's just this is where the action is. You can, it's clear as day. It's nowhere else. So just like when I started Young and Reckless or, or got in on the TV show, I had no idea where it was going to lead, but the action's always going to lead you right. to the best place. It's the best option. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Drama, I kind of want to know what this question is. Like, You are extremely an extremely hard worker. I can imagine like having all these things going in one day is a lot to do. Um, and you still got that fire going. Like, What do you do outside of all this? Do you have a like, you know, family? Do you have... Uh, anything else you're you're doing yeah uh i i've gotten better at that recently right so i do think for a long time so don't get me wrong like i'm not some like crazy you know uh, all i do is work and then sit in my room and think about work um (laughs) but like i never really had like you know skateboarding kind of phased out around like 26 um now it's just i do it once every few months but it's just super painful yeah Uh, i'm getting old and um and I don't have like any hardcore hobby, you know, or anything like that. But I have gotten a lot better lately in the last couple of years at like reading. Like it sounds, you know, I genuinely really enjoy it now. And the first book that sparked me that like books are incredible was Start With Why yeah. with Simon Sinek. Yeah. yeah. Like I read that. I'm like, this is. I did not know that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this my is God. What yeah. Book... I, that was I read that first. That might have been the first book I ever read in my life, honestly. Really? And from front to back. And, I watched uh, his TED Talk first. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah, he's and amazing. He, yeah, that I, I watch me. a lot of his stuff. Yeah. But um, so I genuinely enjoy reading. I genuinely enjoy working out now. Um, I'm learning to like meditating. I, you know, stuff like that. So what's happening to me now? I feel like the way that I describe it is I came up here. I was like full throttle. I'm in LA. Do everything you can. Just like chug Red Bulls and get it done. And... Um, it just maxed out at like 27, 28. Like you just can't live that way. Yeah. And uh, and I just was super depressed and bummed out and nothing made sense. And at the same time, Young and Reckless was having trouble with retail. And it was just a very bad time. Yeah. And so that's what led me to like, okay, what's the right way to do this? And uh, I've learned so much from the guests on my podcast. And I've learned so much from these books that I've read. And I just now am truly taking control of my calendar, 
when I have time off, I have time off, and I whatever it is, watch a documentary, read a book, yeah. exercise, do those things, and just be more balanced that way. Right. But I don't. I still wish I like would just love like bow hunting or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I haven't found that yet. Yeah. You're too young for that. Yeah, but am I or jujitsu or something? You know, Perhaps. like oh well, actually, I'm an avid. Uh, yeah, that. Fisherman. Yeah. And on the weekends, makes I for an interesting story. You know what I mean? I yeah. I have one more fun question. I yeah, asked yeah, a few please. of our guests. Um, it has nothing to do with really anything. But if you were to create your own flavor of frozen yogurt, Pat's probably thinking, God, I don't want these guys asking nice. this question. But what would it be if you had to create your own flavor of frozen yogurt? Oh, man. I'm trying to think of what like the most delightful thing in the world is. Shit, that's hard, man. Brian Tolkien answered answer it. John Terzian said, like, gold. Because he wanted, he, he was thinking. Answer. Did did D answer it? We didn't ask D. This was this was a new kind of thing. We what what else were the other answers? We had like we've gotten we've gotten uh, we've gotten seaweed, seaweed. We've gotten uh, lavender. Uh, it's a tough question. I know, but it shouldn't be. <laughs> and there should. I mean, I need. Um, what I'm trying to think of is something that I have like smelled that's not edible that I really wanted to eat. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like what, about like, like what about like laundry, gas? But I don't know that would taste good. Do you like the smell of gas? I'd love the smell of gas. <laughs> yeah, I love it. If I wonder how it tastes. Make, I wonder, okay. If you could make, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> if you could make frozen yogurt that tasted exactly like gasoline smells. <laughs> it would be incredible. Or like a new car. Yeah. Or like one of those smells that you're just like, yeah. God, like, where does this come from? Or even like a freshly bleached, like, you know, like bathroom. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just yeah, like, yeah, oh, just, it's, it's good in so here. So like every chemically like kind of like just things that can kill you. Just, just terrible <laughs> things, yeah. But you're not using those chemicals, just the scent. Yes. In that flavor. Yeah, if you could, yeah, if you could just I feel like people have gone really good at that, like making flavors out of scents. Yeah, I don't well, know, like we have see, a like challenge. donuts. And, yeah, yeah, perhaps, yeah, there's a new perhaps, challenge for the world then. Yeah, there we go. Gasoline smell. <laughs> like that. There we go. Drama, it's been a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks guys, so much for being on the show. Guys, this is amazing. Thank you guys so much. Hope I didn't talk too much. <laughs> no, it was great. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.